The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. I'm Maya Pavinska Sims, the EMEA editor of Provoke, and I'm joined in and around London today by Dan Neal, founder and managing director of PR agency Alfred, which has worked with clients like Warner Brothers, Sony Pictures, Etsy, and SodaStream on some really exciting projects. Dan started Alfred in 2013 after heading up Nelson Bostock's digital and social agency and working in various other digital, social, and marketing roles. And he's here today to talk about Alfred's new brands and movements research which found that brands and their leaders completely understand that expectations about the role they play in society have shifted dramatically, but a sizable number are still really struggling with how best to adapt. In fact, the fear of cancel culture appears to be a key factor holding brands back from engaging even with big societal and environmental issues. Dan, thank you for joining me. Great to speak to you again. Thanks, Maya. Um, you too. How are you doing? How are things, Alfred? I hope you've had a good start to the year. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a really good start to the year. We, we had a strong year um, last year, and you know, very much continuing in that vein. Um, you know, working with some really exciting clients, and that's certainly you know aligned with this you know philosophy that we have about creating movements, not moments, um, and certainly what our research that we can talk about today links into. Um, so yeah, looking forward to a, another great year in twenty twenty two. Good. I'm glad to hear it. What's the what's the most exciting thing you're working on for clients at the moment? Well, we're doing um, a number of things that we're, we're hopefully going to be able to announce publicly soon. But um, okay. things like working on um, some global sustainability and work um, with a couple of big clients um, and really, you know, kind of dialing up a lot of the digital aspects of the business mm. um, and doing some interesting work in the space that's, you know, helping to build reputation. And of course, you know, um, you know, one of our clients, our, our well-known clients, Oatly, um, some, you know, really exciting activity in Q1 um, that we just started kicking off. Oh, the oat milk guys. Yes. Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? With the whole plant-based thing, that that must be really nice working in that sector because everyone's paying attention. Yeah, and I mean, very much they're they're very much a mission-driven business. Um, everything that they do, from from the marketing through to decision making, is you know all about fulfilling that mission of getting more people to switch to plant-based alternatives and to you know tackle the climate crisis that is naturally ongoing um so very much focused around that so you know purpose very much at the heart of everything that they do well you know where i am for all the scoops when you can announce all that exciting sustainability work obviously you will do <laughs> so we'll come back to your movements not moments positioning later but tell me yeah. about this research study you did recently what was the impetus and what were you trying to find out so we wanted to understand if business leaders had the same view of consumers um, by looking at some other research that was done last year um, and overlaying um, that with the perception of business leaders, looking for areas of tension um, and any insights as well, because we, we wanted to use this piece of work to essentially develop a model um, to help brands effectively engage or serve or support global movements. Um, so we compared the views of over 300 C-suite leaders um, in businesses with over a billion in turnover um, to really understand how big business um, around the world was responding to 
you know, the conversations of today and, and the various movements that are ongoing across a whole range of societal issues. So we then, you know, mapped out those findings, um, looked for look for trends um, and opportunities, as well as, you know, some, some case studies about the organisations that are doing it well. So identify those key ingredients that you need as an organisation that is going to shift your business um, to engage with global movements and to ensure that you, you really know what you need to do um, before embarking on that to do it effectively. And um, what were the main findings? So, I mean, certainly as you touched on, at the beginning, you know, most business leaders um, are certainly observing uh, and feel that consumers and society's expectation of business has very much changed over the past few years. Um, expecting, you know, business to have higher standards when it comes to environmental and social impact, um, as well as more of a focus on purpose and profit. So something that's not mutually exclusive, um, that's certainly talk a bit more about. Um, I mean, in the response to these changed expectations, um, businesses say that they're most likely um, to becoming more environmentally or socially responsible um, and listening to these changed expectations of consumers. Um, and two thirds, so 67% of the business leaders um, that, we, that we interviewed um, said that investing in purpose will ultimately make a business more successful. And by supporting the issues that matter to our consumers and stakeholders, we will be ultimately more successful as a business. Um, so that's really key because I think, you know, one of the areas that we, we could certainly talk a bit more about is this perception that, you know, purse and profit are mutually exclusive um, and they don't go hand in hand. Um, but I certainly what, what we're, we're seeing and certainly what we believe and many business leaders out there as well, um, think the opposite, that these two components do go together and actually you know, they get you to a much stronger destination. Mm. Um, but some of the challenges around this is, you know, four in 10 have said that they haven't been, you know, they're, they're concerned about engaging with the big issues of today um, because of backlash or even getting, you know, even getting cancelled. Um, and we found that business leaders who say that they were concerned about backlash um, around getting it wrong were much, much less likely um, than those that said that they weren't concerned to already be taking action on you know, social and environmental issues. So, I mean, ultimately, I think, you know, what we're seeing is brands are, brands are open and in many cases, you know, keen to support the big issues of today. Um, but there are risks that might be holding many of them back. And that's what we look to investigate uh, and also build a model around so we could guide businesses and brands through that to effectively, you know, engage with movements um, in the right way. Were you surprised by any of those results? Well, I mean, I think a, a few things that came out um, and certainly, you know, around around the timing that we did this work um, that I did find quite surprising um so i mean with cop last year so our research was done um in in q3 q3 last year and you know a lot of ramp up and build up towards cop yeah. um but we saw businesses were actually twice as likely to speak out on racial issues than they were um with issues relating to sustainability and of course you know you if you if you take a look at this you know there's a hypothesis that you know due to the huge focus of cop and that conversation really gaining traction 
um, in the latter part of the year. I think many are ensuring that they're getting their ducks in a row, getting the business in the right place before before they kind of speak out on some of those challenges. I mean, of course, <clears throat> you know, the same could be said around, you know, racial equality. But I thought in terms of timing, that was quite, quite interesting um, to see to see the difference there. I mean, other areas, um, I mean, it certainly backed up our thinking that being engaged with big, big issues of today is you know as we've touched on not mutually exclusive when it comes to purpose and profit um, and in fact they go hand in hand and with 67 percent of business leaders agreeing with that sentiment i think it puts us in a really good direction as we as we you know go further into into this decade yeah it's really encouraging isn't it because the purpose and profit thing um has been kind of muted and floating around for a good few years now and it's like kind of the, the pennies dropped and, and and that's now it's now no longer seen as a bolt-on and people have been you know agencies in particular talking about purpose for for years but it does feel like that is now feeling more like it's um authentic another overly used word in the VR industry of course it, yeah. it does feel like we're getting to the point where business is taking that responsibility really really seriously and it's not just a, a nice to have or um you know an optional extra now it's it's really it's really critical i'm interested about the time lag there as well because i mean i think it's almost like the highlight being on cop meant mm -hmm. unless you were already had something you know it, impressive to say it's almost best to keep your head down isn't it and wait there's a time lag as well isn't there so black lives matter was you know yeah. almost two years ago and that is definitely part of the conversation now you know um uh, equity and um and inclusion are are key themes now it's not a new topic and maybe that'll be the same you know the same sort of time lag when it feels safer to talk about it and more mainstream um, on environmental and climate issues and when there's actually something to say as, as you said there's nothing worse than than uh, an announcement being made that actually doesn't feel relevant to the business of the company is there yeah exactly I mean I think I think that's certainly um certainly a factor in terms of you know time and we're we're certainly kind of looking at this piece to you know illustrate how those perceptions and expectations are shifting um because you know this is something that we you know we see being certainly applicable over you know in the, the next 10 years um in terms of how everything's evolving so i think i think we're at a really really interesting interesting point and certainly you know the evolution of comms over years you know shifting from um spinning to well getting the truth out there in the most correct way um being much more of a focus in terms of you know the culture the values of business um yeah. that are becoming really important to consumers um and also you know thinking about it from another perspective you know from a team and employee perspective uh, in terms of the businesses that you actually want to go and work for um all of this is you know becoming very much in the spotlight and i think there's you know certainly a new a new framework um that is established now in terms of 
how organisations and brands need to do business. Mm. Um, let's go back to the council culture thing. I mean, yeah. there are there are you know you and I know as people who kind of live on social media a bit that there are certain things you just do not chime in with that discussion or. Yeah. There are certain areas that are just a no-go areas. We hear every day about individuals and companies getting cancelled for whatever reason. Um, and I, I can completely understand that it's holding leaders back from commenting or even taking action on big societal issues. What, what do you think they're really afraid of? What are the implications and risks of, of speaking up? I mean, how, how big is that fear of getting cancelled? Well, I think, um, I mean, there's a few factors to it. I mean, I think the the, the, the key reality is that because you know the the discussion on social media you know you can any person out there can go and you know search for a brand and understand what they've done in the past um, and bring up the past um to you know maybe devalue what they're trying to do now mm. um i think that i think that speaks to kind of this need of you know when you're when you're you know in an organization and you're looking to engage with with certain movements that isn't a short-term thing mm. it's not just changing a logo because there's a specific day it's about how do you actually reshift and you know shift your business around this movement and support it properly so rather than just doing an overnight you know what we call a moment um as more of a marketing stunt to essentially illustrate that you're supporting but kind of not really because it's marketing um a global movement you're actually putting your business and your resources and your whole organization behind 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 that piece so i think that's where you know things are shifting that we as consumers don't want to see you know brands and organizations just jumping on something mm. um, because it's nice and timely it's well do you actually really care about this you know we we've got you know loads of examples over the past couple of years of you know as you touched on the the whole cancel culture and things coming out around organizations um and i think you know people are becoming much more astute and aware of you know the marketing powerhouse of business um, and then looking a lot deeper um, and having those higher expectations for brands and how they actually operate um, beyond you know just the marketing activity that they do it's a tricky it's a tricky tightrope to walk though isn't it when we're being told that it's important the business is honest and transparent which means you admit that you weren't always perfect you're on a journey mm -hmm. you're doing your best and there will be incremental and you're committed to that change and that transformation uh, you know that's that's really laying yourself on the line when at any point uh, in that process you could be you know somebody could leap down your your throat and it all kind of gets taken out yeah. of context so I can quite understand that it's tricky and obviously you know comms can can support that that messaging and that journey but it's got to come from deeper within the business hasn't it and if business leaders are cautious as that's that's the core of it yeah absolutely and I think I mean the the big thing with with that piece is that it is it is long term um, and that's why you can't do things overnight because i think we you know we've seen so many brands you know jump on you know a be a movement or a current conversation to you know create some share of voice uh, with their their core customers but not really kind of following through over the long term mm. i think that's what we feel as kind of people that we can see through that 
Um, and that's why it needs to be a long term commitment. And, you know, the transparency piece, I think, is obviously vital. Um, but I also think that whilst, you know, there, there, there's natural tension in this, I think we as people actually have respect for organisations that put their hand up <clears throat> and say, yeah, we're not actually doing very well over here, but mm. this is our plan and this is what we can do to fix it. And you know what? We're going to tell you every single year how we're getting on. Um, and if we haven't made enough progress, we'll tell you. Um, but if we've had some successes, we'd love to share those as well. Mm. I think just that honest conversation, I think that's, that's what's maybe been lacking in the past is that, you know, brutal honesty uh, in terms of the challenges. Because, you know, certainly if you take sustainability and the various kind of products out there you know technology and innovation is a big part of making some organizations more sustainable um, and technology needs to be evolved developed created in in order for them to meet some of their ambitions and targets mm. so by sharing intelligently and openly what that journey looks like i think we as people um be it on twitter um in an evening having a rant but <laughs> we as people are far more receptive to brands and organizations saying, which you know what, we haven't quite got this right yet, but this is what we're going to do about it versus those that are just trying to spin it. Do you think there are complete no-go areas where brands definitely shouldn't say anything? Um, I mean, I think it really depends on the organization. I mean, I think what, we're, we're certainly what we certainly developed with the the movement blueprint which is the guide in terms of how brands can effectively engage with global movements is that it needs to be something that really aligns with the business mm. um rather than being something totally alien and random um so i mean we there, there's many examples of that i mean co-op have have always been a forward-thinking organization because of you know what they what they stand for um as a business and you know their commitment to fairness for their members and customers and obviously last year you know we saw them support the free school mills movement with marcus rashford mm. um and because that links so inherently to their purpose as a business it makes sense and you can you can all see why co-op got involved with that and why that was the perfect thing for them to align the business around and illustrate that they can do good for society beyond you know just the products or services they offer in, in their stores mm. so i think it has to have a a natural and sensible link back to what the business is doing um rather than as i said being something totally alien and, and, and random um so i think i think that's really important so co-op are doing a good job who else is doing a good job in this space um, I think IKEA, um, their you know ongoing commitment to sustainability. I mean, they create one of the biggest consumer-facing sustainability programs there is. You know, industry-leading sustainable products from you know kitchens made of recycled materials, um, even furniture rentals. Um, so, you know, reducing that waste because you give it back and it's resold, and that obviously links into their buyback scheme as well. Mm -hmm. um, so they're kind of really thinking about well, what's their role as an organisation in the bigger context of sustainability, and how can we as a business ensure that what we are doing on a daily basis supports that? Um, and we're not just using our brand as a platform, but we're actually embedding, you know, support for 
the whole sustainability movement into literally everything that we do. Um, so I think, you know, IKEA and co-op are some, you know, really good examples of where that that purpose and the organization itself in terms of what they stand for links back to what they're actually doing. Any brands um, where you think there's too much of a disconnect between stated purpose and what they're saying and their and their actions and their values as a business? I mean, there's there's many examples of, you know, the moments out there where, you know, they've, they've jumped on the back of something because they thought it was a good idea from a marketing perspective. Um, you know, M&S and the LGBTQ sandwich, which got quite a lot of uproar and yeah. was quite divisive and, you know, split opinion um, because it was you know, seen as a product and a marketing stunt versus something that was actually really supporting that movement. Um, and obviously one of, the, one of the big ones last year that um, embodied the whole idea of cancel culture was, you know, what happened with BrewDog mm. uh, and the fallout from the internal culture, you know, even team members talking about the activity that they've been doing, they don't even believe in and it's it's all a marketing stunt. Um, so that kind of coming out and obviously in line with the, the conversation about their culture as an organisation, um, I think, you know, a couple of illustrations there in terms of where, you know, purpose and true purpose of an organization and um, mapping up to what they do as an organization didn't quite line up yeah interesting there's that, that new documentary just out on brew dog isn't there i haven't seen it yet that's um should be a good a good watch Dive yeah, deep into that. That as well. did you see the we work one as well that was really interesting <laughs> that was really yeah. interesting i mean yeah yeah i mean so, so, slightly um in a different area but I mean WeWork's always been uh, an interesting business um I mean obviously over the years we we might have seen the stories that their um debt to landlord is landlords is quite significant um I mean as as a business that you know we we really focus on culture um mm. and it's been an important part of our business and team growth and we we actually we were in a WeWork for six months um, about four years ago. And you know what? I actually found it a really bad experience for our culture because you, you become a, another organization with a logo on a glass door and you, you almost lose your identity a little bit because you're within this within this broader space you know there's obviously you know the pitch from from we work which is come and meet other like-minded businesses etc etc but you know from everyone else i've spoke to certainly within you know our industry and our space that you know that that doesn't necessarily or really happen um and yeah fr from a team culture perspective that didn't quite work for us um because it was, yeah, it was quite limiting in terms of space and, you know, how we could get people together and, you know, really put effort into our trade, so to speak. Yeah, that's really interesting. Now, I know you've got some fairly strong feelings about my next question. How do you think the roles, responsibilities and power of government and business in terms of leadership on everything from climate to healthcare are, are shifting? Yeah, I mean, I think we've... We, we've got to start reality. So following COP26, when, let's face it, um, governments agreed not to do anything and push back any decision-making another year, mm. I think what we, we've seen coming out of that, that it's more apparent than ever, that governments are too slow, 
it's all about politics and they can't really address the major challenges and the issues of today. So what this does, it leaves the door open for brands and business um, to align with the, you know, the big movements. Um, certainly like sustainability, but many others um, that align with the values of their customers and drive that positive change in broader society. Um, because I think it's become very clear that governments are too slow and we, we can't hang around waiting for the governments around the world to fix these issues. It's going to be down to business and importantly, people. I think we, we as people see much more power in our hands today than maybe before and the impact that our personal choices have uh, on the bigger picture. So I think all of that coming together provides an opportunity for brands to not constantly actually be called out as the big problem um, but actually a key part of the solution and innovating and driving change because ultimately that's what business is great at doing in terms of innovating and driving change um, so kind of using that in this way to solve some of the bigger issues um, around today I think is definitely a huge opportunity for for this next decade and beyond. Yeah, and with less distractions for business leaders, arguably. I mean, like yeah. <laughs> we're we've got front pages in the UK absolutely dominated by whether our our actual prime minister was having birthday parties in, in lockdown at the moment. <laughs> you can only imagine the chief executive of a FTSE listed company would literally have just been would just been sacked by now if that if that was going on. It's it's absolutely bizarre. So I think yeah, I mean, as the Edelman Trust Barometer showed us last week trust in governments is continues to plummet and trust in business can continues to go high so it's really interesting how there's been that swung away from the perception of big bad business about making money yeah. over everything else and governments being the you know the thing that drives society forward it's been a real wholesale switch over the past few years hasn't it accessible by the pandemic obviously yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, it's funny, just before this, we're, we were just talking to the team about the, the birth, birthday party gate. And, um, <laughs> the, I shouldn't laugh, it's just appalling. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely bonkers because, you know, I, I was talking about this with the team as well, as well in terms of, you know, can you imagine if we did that? You know, I would have had to have resigned by now um because of instigating you know various bring your own bottle parties during a pandemic so anyway it's a, another illustration i guess in terms of where governments detached from reality and society yeah uh, why and, and that's why it's you know it's an opportunity for business to not only um ensure that their businesses grow because there's that link between purpose and profit, but also, you know, from, from an ethical standpoint, have, have a positive impact on the world um, as we go on. So tell me, um, I'll let you do a little bit of selling, Dan. Tell me a bit more about your movement blueprint, this model you've come up with. How's that's going to help your clients get to where they need to be in this space? So, I mean, we, we wanted to create this model to really illustrate how to do it effectively. So mitigate the risks and provide a blueprint for like-minded businesses uh, to follow to effectively shift their business. So there was a number of pillars um, that we identified that are really important to successful engagement around movements. First off, you need a leadership and culture in a, in a business that is very much aligned with the movement. And that goes 
beyond the C-suite, it's all the way through. It needs to be something that certainly makes sense for the organization and everyone within that organization is truly behind it. And the culture of the organization is truly behind it. Then as a business, you need to make commitments. Um, and this comes back to what we were touching on a few minutes ago about that need to be transparent about how we're shifting and how we're changing as an organization and, and the things that we need to do. So making you know firm commitments with timeframes, with specifics in terms of what you're going to do as an organization to support this movement that you've aligned with. Um, and importantly, um, the, the third pillar is about shared values. So shared values with your tribe, your internal team, your customers, your stakeholders, um, and also with what you do as an organization. Um, so that is then underpinned by what we call sustained action, which speaks to movements rather than moments. So doing things over long-term, making those long-term commitments about how you're going to contribute to x reduction in y or you know what whatever the metrics are but having that sustained action that you're not just doing this today and you know next week you're going to talk about a different thing because it's more topical than the last it's sustained action because that builds trust and credibility uh, around your organization's participation and at the heart of all of this is you know what what we call co-creation so i mean you you can't as an organization understand how to be relevant, trustworthy, and aligned with your audiences in a vacuum. So you need to be engaging with customer stakeholders, internal teams, partners to bring them in on that process. So it very much feels like a co-created plan mm. um, endeavor uh, that you're, you're embarking on. So all of those five elements are, are really important to successful movement engagement and serving um, and being part of, you know, the issues that really matter today. And are you working with clients already on this or is it still under, under development? So, yeah, we, we've been applying many aspects of this model through um, the work that we're doing. Um, a couple of things that I, I touched on at the start of the call, um, but it's, and it's and it's also you know certainly informed the roadmap of us as a business in terms of how how we grow um, and the resources and expertise that we we bring in bring inside alfred um, and those that we partner with um so it's it's definitely something that has you know we've, we've already implemented um certainly used in a lot of new business conversations um um, and that resulted in client wins around you know the context of today and that organization's opportunity um so yeah it, it's it's very much underpinning everything that we do right now and finally dan give me your top tips for brand leaders on engaging with social movements well i think it, it certainly comes back to um one of the other pieces that we spoke about um as well in terms of that that alignment with your business so doing something that's completely off the wall and random that doesn't relate to what you can actually really contribute to as an organization is ultimately not not gonna not gonna work mm. um and it's not where you can add the most value as well um as as a business i think the other the other you know key area is that you really need that internal culture and alignment. It needs to be something that the team within the organization are passionate about. Mm. They you know, feel 
also a sense of purpose in terms of what they're doing when they're coming to work on a daily basis and they you know it, it's more than you know say say the job they had before it gives a whole new new meaning to the day-to-day -day activities that they're doing and it's all aiming for this this bigger objective through the commitments that you've made um so i'd certainly start there um as a business i mean we've also mapped out a you know a process that you need to go through um in order to effectively engage with movements and you know the first thing any organization needs to do is look in look inwards so for instance instance if you're you know going to align your organization with sustainability you, you need to look inwards at your organization in terms of what are you doing already you know what are our processes what's the technology we're using how are we making our products what you know what's the carbon footprint what can we do to reduce um, the impact that we're already having as, as an organization and what objectives do we need to set to further further mitigate that impact mm. um so certainly looking inwards as the first port of call is is vital um because you know certainly with, with some of the examples we spoke today with regards to brands that haven't necessarily um done it so well you, you need to look inwards because if you're saying you stand for this and yet it comes out that you're you're doing a whole host of things that contradict that commitment or that perspective then well it, it's it's not going to go to plan um and it, these are where we often see great examples of brands not effectively engaging with the big issues and the movements of today yeah well doing it right sounds utterly exhausting but also you know really exciting when you the, the possibility the possibilities of what business can achieve now are kind of feel a bit sky high don't they it's an exciting time yeah absolutely i think i think that that's exactly where we're at and yeah that's why it's exciting fantastic well dan thank you so much for talking me through the research telling me all about what you're up to at alfred and all your thoughts on sustainability in its in its broadest sense really appreciate your time today it's been great to chat thank you too thanks again great to talk you've been listening to the provoke podcast brought to you by provoke media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.